Amen. Good song this morning. Thanks, fam. I always told them when the money gets right, I'll join them. So we're still negotiating. We'll see what happens with that. So 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. We are continuing today conquering the war in your mind. We have talked about our situation. We are in spiritual warfare. Um, if you're living, if you're alive and breathing today, you are doing that. You're living in spiritual warfare. We have talked about our mission, that is living lives that bring glory to God. We're still working on that. And uh, today, we are going to talk about the execution. How do we do this? How do we carry out our mission of living a life that brings glory to God? How do we do that? And so we'll be trying to look there and getting some help from 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verses 3 through 5. Let's read, and then we'll have a word of prayer, and we'll jump right in here. So 2 Corinthians 10, chapter number 3 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And so what you have pictured here, if, if you can, we'll mention this in a, in a few points here. Imagine, if you would, this morning a castle, and you have a stronghold of a castle. What's outside and also what's being held inside. We're going to talk about some captives. So we have a, if you will, a, a castle scene. He says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty, through the God, through God to the, here it is, the pulling down of strongholds. That means a fortress, your castle scene again. Verse number five says this, casting down imaginations and every high thing, that's the towers around, that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let's pray this morning. I'd ask you also of course, Colin is not here. He decided to take uh, a little leave and go to the Dominican Republic, okay? So he is out of country. He is helping his dad there. And so let's pray for him as well, too, and is our, for our service this morning. Father, we thank you again for your word. God, help us this morning as we have a feeble attempt, Lord, to try to show your people how, Lord, that we can live a life that is pleasing to you. I pray that you would help me, Lord. I pray you would just get me out of the way. And, Lord, lift yourself up. We pray for that this morning. I thank you for your mercy, your grace, for, Lord, being able to come to the well. And I pray this morning, Lord, someone in the service would be able to do that. Take a drink, Lord, this morning of your mercy and grace, maybe even your forgiveness. <coughs> we thank you for that. your name we do pray. Amen. So I haven't even asked this question in starting this series, but maybe you've not even thought about it. Is there a difference between your mind and your brain? Is there a difference between your mind and your brain? Uh, psychologists would say no. The Bible, however, makes it very clear, very plain that there is a difference. Your mind is the part that does the thinking. Your brain is that physical part, the gray and white matter, if you will. And the relationship that we see there is we can illustrate it with something that's on the stage this morning. Let's take this piano, all right? So as you look at this piano and we look at this illustration, the pianist, Mr. Matt Baker, uses the piano to express the music. So the piano, without the use of the pianist, 
would, would be no good. Now, let me say this. Some of our pianos are not quite as developed as other, as other people's pianos, okay? Some of us are still working on Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Others are playing masterpieces, okay? But nonetheless, the mind and the brain are two different things. Now, let's take that and apply it to what Christ does for us when he saves us. Now, listen to this. This will help you today if you get this. When you get saved, now remember, we're battling we're in spiritual warfare. When you get saved, you get the mind of Christ. It doesn't necessarily mean that your IQ is going to be any higher. <laughs> you just have a different way of thinking about what God is wanting you to do. So, the fact that you've been saved, now listen to me, doesn't mean the war is over. Matter of fact, it may be just beginning for some of us, okay? You just may get in, you may, instead of your little spade, you may be getting your shovel now, and you're going to be battling some things a little bit differently. But you've got the mind of Christ, and there's a difference there. 1 Peter chapter number 1, verses 13 through 16 says this interesting language, really that we're not used to this language in, in 2023, but it makes good for what we're doing this morning. It says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. That word gird literally means make ready for war. Put on the boxing gloves. And it says, And hope to the end of the grace that is brought unto you to the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as you would have which is called, which is you. Now watch this. Which is holy, so be ye holy. In all manner of conversations, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So the battle's still there. The mission is still there. But how do we do it this morning? Let's see if we can give you some help. And you know, some of these messages, some of these things that I've looked and I've studied, and you're like, Oh, this is good, this is good. This message this week was not for you. I'm just delivering this morning, but the message this week was for me. And there was one point in here that really just shook me a little bit. It shook me quite a bit. And so it's for me. I hope I can convey it to you this morning. So there's some things that we need to look at today to help you execute your mission. Number one, we need to understand how to be, number one, competent in your role, in my role of being a Christian. Now notice the language in verse number three. It says, for though... We walk in the flesh. Now, Paul admits something. Paul admits something. We walk in the flesh. It says he is flesh and blood. He's a human being. He struggles with the same things that you and I are going to struggle with, but he doesn't want to war. He's in the flesh. We, we say this. When's the last time you ever said, I'm in the flesh. Or you heard somebody say, but I'm about to get in the flesh. Okay? You've heard people say that before. This morning, about 6.20, my dog woke me up. 6.20. Now, I was going to get up at 6.30, so I guess he knew that. Okay? 6.20, I hear him barking, and it's, it just does not stop. I thought, when this happens, usually the first time was a snake. It's been a groundhog. This morning, he found a skunk. So I wake up, go to the restroom. It's dark outside. I'm in the restroom, and I hear, Coleman, 
Coleman. So Elizabeth, you got to remember, Elizabeth is not a nature person. If I roll down the window in the car, it's too much nature, okay? Roll it back up, all right? She doesn't do dead things. She doesn't do many live things, okay? So knock on the door, and then there is the skunk. He's rolling it around. You're starting to smell it coming to the house a little bit. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I thought, man, I dread stepping outside this morning. I know what it's going to be. By the time I left, the skunk was everywhere. Put it that way. I'll just be nice, okay? And I thought to myself, Lord, this is Sunday morning. (laughs) I'm going to church. You know what? I got to clean that up later, you know. Ninety times Paul mentions the flesh. Sometimes the flesh, sometimes the flesh, okay? We start thinking, man, I didn't mean to say that. didn't mean to do that. I get in the flesh. What would Jesus have said? What would Jesus have done? Philippians 2, verses 1 through 5, I was reminded of this. If there be, therefore, any consolation of Christ and any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. He'll each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on these things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And I wrote this down. Our role in this Christian life, your role in this Christian life, is to be, is to have, is to mimic the way of Christ. Do you understand your role? So I thought about some roles this morning. Now understand this point. Some of you right now may be taking on the role of a fighter. Now you can list as many as I could give. I just some of the, you may be taking on the role of a fighter. Exodus 14, verses 13 and 14 says this. Moses said to the people, fear not. Stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, which you shall show to, show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more and forever. And those in verse number 14, the Lord shall what? He shall fight for you and shall hold your peace. You may be fighting for truth over manipulation. Got struggles at home, got struggles around the house. Was it a fight this morning? It may be kids saying, I want to do this. It may be saying, no, we're not going to do that. It's a fight for the family. It's a fight. We can, put on a, we can put on a shirt and tie. We can put on a coat. We can press everything. Some of you this morning may be fighting for your marriage. I don't know. You may be in that role. You have a coworker that's just bad-mouthing. You're fighting for your name. There may be teenagers in here this morning. Someone stabbed you in the back. And I've worked with teenagers for years. And a lot of times as we age, as we get into those 30s and 40s and we have our own kids, sometimes we diminish the problems of a teenager. And let me tell you this. They're as real as our problems are. They're just as real. They're just as tough. We have a little bit more experience. And sometimes we get lost in the fact that we went through that too. But age has given us some experience, and now we need to give it back to them. Don't diminish that. If something happens, support. Teenager, that may be you this morning. What about a disagreement? You said, we have one this morning. 
We had a skunk. You may be fighting for righteousness over the image of success. Mm, That's a tough one. How do you deal with it? How do you deal with those around you that get it? Is it a jealousy? Is it bitter? Is it hurt? Well, that should have been me. Maybe that fight. Oh, here's one. Proverbs 12, 15, I'll give you the verse. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. You may have to fight over the power of perception to what is really real, what is reality. Imagine with me this morning, silly, silly illustration, but it works very good. It's clear, it's beautiful, it's beautiful day outside, and, you, and you're in your vehicle, you're driving, you're coming around the corner, and there's a bridge in front of you. The bridge is out, you stop. You can't go any farther. You get out of your car. You go get in traffic, and you start waving your arms. Wait, 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 wait. Now, look, I don't care what time of day it is. When you got somebody on the side of the road, they're waving your arms. You're like, I am going. I'm not stopping for anybody. People are crazy these days. It's what we do, don't, don't we? And we get lost in the fact that our perception is that this guy's, this guy's out to get us. This bad guy's going to get me. But the bridge is out. And we can't see the bridge. We don't know that it's out. And our perception is not true to what actually is going to happen. And our own hurt and our own demise gets lost in the bridge. Silly illustration. Simple illustration. But it works really good when we want our way. Sometimes our way is better than God's way. I think my grandma said it best. I think every grandma has said this. We get too big for our britches. (laughs) Maybe that's in the English dictionary somewhere. I don't know. Where's britches at? But sometimes we get too big for our britches. And our way's the right way. God doesn't know anything. Council doesn't know anything. That's what happens to us. Here's another role you may be undertaking this morning. If it's not fighting for something, what about the role of a communicator? James 1.19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. You may be that one that's encouraging someone this morning. You're the communicator of encouragement. You may be, need to be a listener. We think, wait a minute, I thought you were talking about communication. Yeah, that's a two-way street. <laughs> you may need to be the one listening. I don't guess I ever thought about this. The word listen has the same letters as the word silent. Roll it it over just a second. (laughs) It does. Sometimes listening is just, let me just be quiet. I don't always have to give my advice to everybody. Just be an ear for somebody. The art of conversation is the art of hearing as well as the art of being heard. Sometimes you have to be a communicator. You may be a discerner for the truth. You may be keeping someone out of trouble. You may be the one that's going to lead that person to Christ. That may be your role. I don't know. It may be a negotiator. It may be a leader. It may be a servant. I don't know what your role is. But once you find out, understand it, and execute. Get on with your mission. 
Are you competent in your role this morning? Do you understand that whatever your role is, do it for the glory of God? And look at verse number three. He reminds us, we're going to walk in the flesh. It's going to happen. But let's don't war after it. Be competent in your role of what you're doing. Number two, number two, I thought about this one. Be competent in your role. Number two, be confident in my reasoning. Be confident in my reasoning. Now, if, if, if we're human beings and if you're like me, I will use every, if something comes up in my mind, I will use, every, I will use everything that I can to reason myself out of it sometime. Are you like that? Can't do it. Got to do this. It's Saturday. It's, what, it's whatever. You, you make it up. Are you trusting in what God has equipped you with to succeed at your role? How are you using your weapons? Are you going to the, to the gun closet and getting the right one out, so to speak? Your personality, your talent, your skills, we all have those. We all possess them. But let me tell you this. Let him have them first, and then he'll use them through you. That's the idea. Be competent in your role. Are you being equipped? Romans 8, 5 through 7 says this. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So what are my weapons? What are some weapons that I can use in my role to execute my mission? Number one. You carry it around every day, every Sunday. Some of the best counsel that you'll ever get, now listen to me, some of the best counsel that you will ever get is not from some individual person. It's not that I need to schedule or make an appointment. And sometimes we lose this, and I'm not trying to step on toes if the Holy Spirit does, and he does. Sometimes the best counsel that you'll ever get is sitting where you're at right now, and you're faithful Sunday after Sunday, and Wednesday after Wednesday, and small group after small group. Someone told this morning, I had security Wednesday night. They said, man, it was awesome Wednesday night in small group. He said, I needed that. He goes, I was, I was slipping a little bit, and I needed that. That's some of the best counsel that you'll ever get is this word, being faithful. It's the best thing you'll ever get. Okay? You won't have to schedule any appointments. It may not be an appointment schedule. Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. What about this Holy Spirit? Are you leaning on him every day? Mm, I'm telling you, you got a weapon at your disposal. you got to grab onto it. Look, look at the person sitting beside of you. That's a weapon that you have. you got help in the trenches. you got a person in your phone that you call. When the battle gets a little bit tough and you dial them up and say, hey, I need you today. I need you to pray. Or you've ever been doing something and something happens and that text or that phone call comes and just says, I'm thinking about you today. Boy, I've had that happen a lot. I'll say this. I wasn't used to that until I come to Euphola Baptist Church. <laughs> I had people that almost weekly would say, Coleman, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your family. Now, I know, I know people do that, 
But when you voice that to somebody, it's like lifting them up. It's an encouragement. It's an encouragement. Let's go back to the castle. Now watch what happens here. All right? When you pull down strongholds, a stronghold's a fortress. What we have in our life are walls of resistance that literally need to be come down. And the Corinthians had some, some strongholds. They had some resistances. Maybe you have some of these. What about the resistance of arrogance, despair? You've got these demonic thoughts, and literally they organize, they mobilize in your mind, and literally the armies of hell are going to battle against your stronghold. Paul said, they've got to come down. They've got to come down. Some of these things mentioned are some of the things that we reason out with our mind every day. Our trust is weak. He mentions another word, every high thing. Casting down every high thing. There's a castle, there's a fortress. They've got towers around it. And he said, those walls, these towers need to come down. What about the, the, the tower of intellectualism? I can do it on my own. I can think through it on my own. Remember what Grandma said. What about the tower of a high-minded attitude? Hmm, not me. Not, 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 not me, Lord. It shouldn't be me going through this. It's got to come down. Break down the walls. Tear down the towers. What about this one? Bringing into captivity. Look at verse number five. Verse number three says, we're warring. We walk in the flesh. Don't war it. Verse number four, we have some weapons that we're using. His Holy Spirit, his word, believers. Tear down the walls. Tear down the towers. Verse number five says this, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Inside of the walls of your mind, you've got some thoughts that are captive. Some of you won't let go what happened 20 years ago. And you bring it up every day. I shouldn't have said that. We've all been there, right? You've got to take that thought captive. Some of you deal with some anxiety and some issues. Give it to the Lord. Now, I know it's just not that easy. <laughs> it's just not that easy, is it? You're right, it's not. There are some thoughts you need to take captive. Don't even open the door to them. Take those captivity captives. Set yourself free from bad habits, fears, obsessions, lusts. Paul said this, tear them down. The towers are coming down. The thoughts are coming out. You got to go to war. Can't do it in the flesh. You got to use the right weapons. Are you trusting the weapons that God has given you? When your mind begins to waver, Trust your reasoning because you've given that. You've been given some great spiritual weapons. I thought about this one. What about the weapon of worship? 
the weapon of worship. It's hard to be bitter when you're worshiping. It's hard for the mind to wonder when you're wor worshiping the right one. Great thought there. We could say more. We won't for sake of time. So, number one, you need to be competent in your role. Number two, you need to be confident in your reasoning. And then number three, the last one today, you need to be, and I say this just because I like, I like doing the C's and the R's. <laughs> I just like that. But I would say this is the hardest one. This is the one that got me this week. You need to be comfortable in the risks. Now, what is a risk? Risk simply refers to simply the probability of an event will occur. Some of us, that's enough alone. We get lost in that. We can't do it. Risky behaviors are those that potentially expose people to harm, significant risk of harm that may potentially give them some type of disease or may even cause death. That's what a risk is. Someone said this, the biggest risk is not taking any at all. Now, there's a word I want you to see in verse number five, and this is the risk. Verse number five says this, bringing into captivity every thought to thee. What's the next word? Obedience of Christ. Do you realize that sometimes just being obedient to Christ, that you're going to be taking a risk? And I found this passage this week, and I'm telling you what, I called Matt Thursday morning, and I blubbered to him. He was ordering McDonald's, okay? <laughs> and here I am, I'm saying, Matt, man, I found this. I can't believe it. And I'm just blubbering away. Look at Exodus chapter number 14. We got Moses there. <laughs> Moses, I want you to go through the Red Sea. Whoop, wait a minute. <laughs> God, that's, that's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty big risk, right? And I found something in this passage that just literally, it just shook me up. And I've read this before, and you've read this before too. Verse number 20 says, It came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud of darkness to them. And it gave light by night to thee, so that the one came not near the other all the night. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go up by, back by a strong east wind all that night, made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went to the midst of the sea upon the dry ground. Could you, what, what would it be? Let's don't get away from that. Okay, miracle. As they're walking through, they're just, like, could you imagine what, just looking around? Imagine the thought there. The waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Verse number 23 says, The Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea, and even all the Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and horsemen. Here they come. They're on our tail. And this is what got me. In verse number 24, it said this. And it came to pass that in the morning. So we read this story and it's like, oh, they walked through the Red Sea. Oh, that must have been a big deal. The Lord said, in the morning. Now, if I read that, that's the other day. You slept last night, hopefully six, eight hours. Imagine what these people, these children, as they walk through and as they look behind them, before they went to bed that night, they're like, what, what are we going to do? 
God said, in the morning. He still has their best in the morning. Watch the Lord looked upon the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of the fire and cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. Now watch what he did in the morning. He took off their chariot wheels. They drove them heavily. So that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel. For the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. How many times have you taken a risk? You've stepped out on faith and you're waiting for the morning. You've went to bed at night, and you've slept. I don't understand. In the morning, <laughs> just in the morning, a new job comes about. I don't understand. Wait till the morning. Just, just wait till the morning. There's a new position. I don't wait for the morning. <laughs> God, my kids are leaving. It's the first one to go to school. I'm a ball of nerves. Wait for the morning. <laughs> we need that in the morning experience. God, I don't understand it. Just wait for the morning. I just need the morning. Sometimes just being obedient is risky. I'm telling you, it's just risky. Luke 6:46 says this. And why call me, ye me, Lord, Lord, and do not these things which I say? James 1.22 says, be, be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. John 14.21 says, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he that it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Matt said, did you hear, did you see that story this week about 9-11? Come in Tuesday morning. He was all pumped up telling me this story. And I said, no. Nah. I said, what is it? He said, it's about sass and lucky. And I was like, I'm interested, okay? So the story goes like this. It's Tuesday morning, September 11th, 2001. Two Air Force pilots, F-16 pilots, Mark Sass, Sassville, and Heather Lucky Penny. They were both sitting at Andrews Air Force Base in a scheduling meeting, going over the things of the week, what was supposed to happen. And about that time, the operations command called and said that a plane had just hit World Trade Center. Lucky, Heather, said, uh, it's a beautiful day outside. It's clear blue sky. Must be a small Cessna plane. They'll bounce off the building. Nothing's, nothing's going to go wrong with that. Just an accident. I mean, you... The meeting continued. Operations called again and said a second plane had hit the other World Trade Center. Sass and Lucky eyed each other, and they knew something was up and that they had to get to their F-16s. They scrambled out to their jets. They got up in the air. They started to fly up and down the Potomac River because a plane... Flight 93 that we know now had turned around in Ohio and was making its way back to Washington, D.C. And their job was to look for Flight 93. But there was just one problem with the two F-16s that they were in. 
This was before, now we have this, but this was before they had the alert ready jets at Andrews Air Force Base. And what that means is that they were equipment ready with missiles and combat ammunition. When they got in their F-16s, they had no missiles. They had no combat ready ammunition. So when they got up in the air and they're flying up and down the Potomac River, they begin to communicate with each other and they said, here's the plan. The vice president had given the all clear that if anything was to be found, shoot it down. They didn't have the ammunition to shoot it down. Sass said this, I'll take the cockpit. Lucky, I got the tail. They were literally going to ram Flight 93 in the air and take it out because they knew it was coming toward D.C. Is that a risk? That's an unbelievable risk. As the reporter interviewed Sass and Lucky, this is what they said. The reporter said this. This was a suicide mission. Heather said, the military does not send its forces on suicide missions. It was clear to us what needed to be done. Our mission was to protect and defend. Sass said this, no one in our command directed us to do this. As the reporter finished up the interview, she asked the pilots, 20 years later, how often do you think about that day? Mark Sassville said this, I think about it every day. As traumatic as an event this was, he said, we will prevail. We will not be deterred. There is nothing that our enemies will throw at us that will slow us down. Has your enemy tried to slow you down this week? <laughs> Have you been thwarted from your mission? I'm waiting on the execution. I'm not sure what my role is. Don't get off your mission. It's time to execute. It's time to go to action. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. In the quietness of the moment here, you need to think about, am I competent in my role of what God's called me to do? I don't know what that is. You do. You may need to come and pray this morning and ask God to empower you in your role. It may be a fighter. It may be a communicator. I don't know what it is. Are you confident in your reasoning? Do you have the mind of Christ? Is he leading? Is he guiding? Are you allowing him to do that? And know this, church, there are risks involved. You will have to trust in him. There's another point we could have put up on the screen, and it's this. Are you compelled by your reward? <laughs> what is our reward? If you're saved in here this morning, our reward is heaven. Well, that's a pretty good gift, isn't it? That's a, that's a great thing to be compelled by. I'll let Matt sing a verse of a song this morning.